Our scripture this morning is found in Galatians chapter 4, beginning with verse 12, going through verse 20. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you, I wish I could present you with you now and it changed my tone for I am perplexed about you. This is the reading of God's word. on the organ there a little quick, didn't it? All right. You know, the church is called to make disciples. That's what we're supposed to be about, to see people turn from their sin and their life following away from Christ and embrace Jesus Christ as Savior and, and, and follow Him. Jesus gave us very clear instructions. This is what the church is supposed to be about. This is called by many the Great Commission. This is our mission as a church. Jesus said in Matthew 28, before He ascended back to heaven, uh, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now go and make disciples. Now, it's hard for a church to stay focused on these things. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was laser-focused on this. In fact, he begins, uh, he introduces himself at the beginning of this book of Galatians, the beginning of his letter. He introduces himself, Paul, an apostle. That means Paul, a sent one. Well, who sent Paul on his missionary journeys to go make disciples? He said, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So the, the, the king that we just sang about is, is Paul says, man, I'm sent on mission from the king to make disciples of the nations. Guess what? So are you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this is who we are. This is who God sends us, who, who we are, what God sends us to do in this world. Go make disciples of the nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. 
Now, the problem that arises very often in any local church is the local church culture is sometimes not conducive for making disciples. The culture can hinder the making disciples, or the culture can all of a sudden be about something else other than making disciples. Now, how is culture created? You think about, uh, like, people will talk about their work culture, or, or a certain family dysfunction, uh, or a, a toxic relationship. You're all talking about these are culture things. So how is culture created? How is culture in a church created? Um, well, culture is created by individuals, right? It's individuals who are connected in community. That's how cultures are created. So the relationships that are formed and connected in whatever community is, the relationships that are formed, uh, the shared values of the group, the priorities of the group, all of these dynamics create a particular culture of a church. And um, every church has a culture, all right? Now, Paul's letters, as he writes to these different churches, he's constantly dealing with this. He's constantly dealing with the church culture and what's happening and all the issues that make up a church culture. So Paul's talking about the theology that they, they have. He's talking about the relational issues. Uh, he, he gives us a biblical ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church. How should a church function and what are we doing? He, for example, he writes in 1 Timothy chapter 3, he writes to Timothy, a pastor in a church in Ephesus. You can read Ephesians in your Bible. Timothy was at a church in Ephesus, and he writes all these things in 1 Timothy. And then Paul says this, I write this so that you, you will know how to conduct yourselves in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. And so these were, these were important topics for Paul as he writes about the church culture. The, the, the individuals bring it, connect relationally with one another, and what are their values, priorities, and how do they relate to one another, and how they relate. So that makes it all up. Now, the text today, the reason I said all that is because our text today in Galatians addresses uh, the fact that sometimes the church culture is not conducive to making disciples, and what kind of culture is best conducive for doing that? So if we as a church are about people come getting saved and coming to a living relationship with Jesus Christ, and then teaching them to obey everything that Jesus said and shaping that, if that's supposed to be the culture, what are some of the signs that this is a healthy church culture? All right, So that's where we're going. And there's six points. So, we'll be done by three. No, I promise. So, we'll, I'll only be able to touch on these six. They're really important. I'll only be able to touch on these six points. Um, and so, we'll be moving through them uh, pretty rapidly. All right? So, here we go. Number one, the first thing that we see that Paul talks about is individuals that shape the culture. Uh, individuals see how God uses weakness. That's the first one. Um, a healthy disciple-making culture, they understand that God uses weakness. In other words, they don't get worried when they come into a local church and look around and go, wow, this is kind of a lame-looking group. <laughs> 
right? They, they, no, that's not the, they, 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 they see, that they, they understand, like, like, wait a second, the God of the universe is at work here. So, and this is what Paul gets into in Galatians 4, in verses 13 and 14, watch. He says, um, you know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you didn't scorn or despise me, but you received me as in, like an angel of God as you would receive Jesus Christ himself. So here's what's happening. Paul's a traveling missionary, right? So he's got his agenda. He's making disciples. He's sharing the gospel and planting churches. Well, he comes up sick. He gets sick. And so his trip gets sidelined. Next thing you know, he's hanging out with these people in Galatia, right? So Paul says, you know, the gospel came to you because I got sick. Um, so there, there's this bodily ailment, it says, uh, because of the bodily ailment, I preach the gospel to you. Now, we don't know what that bodily ailment is. Everybody, a bunch of, you know, theologians try to weigh in on it. We don't know for sure. It could be malaria. Some people think it was malaria. You know, that's nasty. Paul's got malaria. It's kind of nasty. Um, some people think it's issues related to Paul's eyes. Um, some people think it's, it was like epilepsy. And so you can imagine Paul traveling around. He's talking about Jesus Christ. All of a sudden has an epileptic seizure. And it's, you know, in the culture of the day, they thought, oh, man, these are all demonic spirits. And this guy is, man, get, get rid of this guy. So we don't know what it was, but there was some bodily ailment. Whatever it was, it was a social turnoff to people. So here's Paul coming and landing into town, and socially, whatever's going on with him, people are going, ugh, and, and, and that's what they're dealing with. But the Galatians received him, the Galatians took him in, and they did not scorn or despise Paul, they said. And the reason was the Galatians were like, hey, let's not judge this book by its cover. Um, this guy has something to say. See, the messenger was a bit repulsive, but the message brought them life. And so in healthy church cultures, you, you don't, you know, they, they see that. You look around, it's like, hey, you know, in the world's culture, we, we may not be the most impressive group you've ever run into. But you go, well, wait a minute. There's a life-giving message here, and God uses us in the weak people in the process. Paul rested in this. Um, you know, he, he, he's going, come on, Lord, I'm trying to go here and trying to go there. And then he, he, run, he ran into a lot of detours in his life. I, I think of, of how he processed one detour. Um, he talks about, in 2 Corinthians 2, he talks about like he was traveling, and there was an open door, people were receptive to the gospel message, but he says, my spirit was not at rest because I didn't find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. In other words, this is real life stuff, right? You got your goals, you ever set out your week or your day, and you're going, this is what I'm going to do, and Jesus, I'm serving you, and I'm doing this and this and this. And it all 
goes sideways and the people don't show up and it's not there and you get all sideways. Like, God, what are you supposed to do? And you're all detoured and going a different direction. That's very, very unsettling, right? Paul, how did Paul handle that? Here's what he said. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So the way Paul processed it was, look, I got sick, my missionary journey, I got sidelined, I'm sitting here amongst these people in Galatia, and God's going to use this. God's going to use this. In fact, as Paul traveled around his own personal weaknesses, he said he had this thorn in the flesh that he asked God to get rid of three different times, and God says, no, because power is perfected in weakness. And so Paul says, well, then I'd gladly be content with my weakness, hardships, uh, um, calamities, and all of these things, because when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. And see, so, so... A healthy disciple-making culture understands that, whoa, God, this isn't a a, a detour. This isn't the end of the world. I don't have to be strong all the time because God uses weaknesses. So you land in the hospital. Your vacation plans go totally upside down. You know, you go on vacation, you got it all planned out. It's like, what in the world am I doing now? I was on my way to Florida, and now I'm in some town in who knows where in West Virginia, and the cars broke down, and what? It's like, all right, vacation plans. Maybe you face the death of a loved one. You have a financial setback. Your husband leaves you. Your child says they're gay. So what, 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 do, you, what do you do? Well, you see how, hey, God can use this. I've had so many people tell me over the years, Dan, I laying in the hospital. Hey, and guess who I got to talk to in the hospital? I got to talk to this person about Christ. And that's right. See, healthy disciple-making thing, they, they see that. And, and they see that God never wastes their pain. Say, man, I went through this thing in my life. And now someone comes up and says, I heard you've gone through this, and I'd like to talk to you. See, these are healthy disciple making uh, cultures. They see how God uses uh, weakness. All right, Isaiah 53 uh, says about Jesus, this was Jesus, right? Described in Isaiah 53. The coming Messiah was described this way. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men as one from whom men hide their faces, and we esteemed him not. And so, so much of the world missed the life-giving message of Jesus Christ because the messenger was not very impressive. Listen, greatness is often overlooked when it is housed in a body that the culture does not deem beautiful. Greatness is often overlooked when it's housed in a body that our culture doesn't see as beautiful. Greatness and life-giving messages are often missed because they're, they're, they're within the person who has a social economic status or is socially and circumstantially in a place that the, the culture doesn't deem successful. So what, what, what the deal is, if you're going to have a, a healthy 
you know, you can have a healthy mindset. You're going to understand that, look, man, just because the culture doesn't think somebody is beautiful or successful, uh, God uses people that the culture deems weak. Don't miss it. All right, second. The second sign of a healthy uh, disciple-making culture is you you sacrificially serve with joy. (laughs) You sacrificially serve with joy. Look at verse 15. Paul says to these Galatians, what then has become of your blessedness? In other words, he says, hey, uh, where's the happiness? Uh, when Paul first, so look what he says in the list of verse, I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. So Paul says, you know, when I first landed to you, man, you sacrificially gave, you would have given me your right arm. You would have done anything for me. Now, wh- what's happened to your joy? You know, sacrificial servants, and this place is full of them. You guys, uh, this church is full of sacrificial servants. You can easily slip into the mindset that feels like, oh my word, everybody just wants a piece of me. (laughs) Man, I walk into this and it's, you know, everybody wants a piece of your time. They want your money. They want your efforts. They want your attention. They want your help. They want your support. They want your endorsement. You think, man, alive, I live with a bunch of piranhas. You know, it's a doggy dog out, doggy dog world out there, right? And what they say on Cheers, and I'm wearing dog bone underwear. You know, I mean, it's just like you, you self-sacrificing servants can get to where you go. My goodness, this culture's toxic. Everything's toxic. The family's toxic. It's all toxic, right? And what can happen is self-sacrificing servants can, can get to the place, then you begin to withdraw, you begin to withhold, you begin to resent people, you can become really, really cynical, and you lose your joy. And that's what happened with the Galatians. Now, you may still be sacrificing. You may still live a sacrificial life. You still may be sacrificially serving because you say, I'm not going to be one of those consumers. I'm not going to be a part of a church and I'm not going to be one of those consumers. No way. I'm a contributor, not a consumer. But, but in a healthy disciple-making culture, it's like, hey, but what happened to your joy? <laughs> See, because you can get a lot of people working really hard, uh, but if you lose your joy, it's, you, you lose a measure of health, to say the least, right? You know, it's easier. Uh, it, 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 you end up being like an unhappy Chick-fil-A employee. They tell you at the end, it's my pleasure, but you walk away and you're not convinced, <laughs> right? You're just not convinced. And that can happen in a church culture. It can happen in a church culture. Glad to have you here. And you go, I'm not so convinced <laughs> that they're glad to be here, right? All right. It's easier, it's easier, understandably, to serve sacrificially when people thank you. It's easier to serve when people applaud you, when they actually take your advice. 
And they say, man, you were so helpful to me. That, that, you love it. It's easier to serve sacrificially when you give money to people or you give something away to them and they actually use it wisely. It's easier to live sacrificially when they return the favor. But when none of that's happening, what happened to your joy? Hmm. Uh, a place to go if you have lost your joy is Hebrews chapter 12 and listen to what it says. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seating at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him. Think about Jesus who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Talk about an unresponsive culture. Talk about a toxic environment. Jesus who, who suffered such hostility uh, against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Look to Jesus when you lose your joy. I would also say this, you might need a vacation, you might need a break, you might need a rest. Third, a third sign of a healthy culture. You, you see God uses weaknesses, sacrificially serve with joy. Third, you speak the truth in love. You speak the truth in love. Verse 16, Paul says to them, have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Now, Paul loved these people. Paul was passionate. It, it, came, it comes out in his letters, his passion, his love to his people. And he said some hard things to the people in Galatia, right? If you're reading through the book, you know, you know how this stuff played out in real time? A church gathers somewhere in a city in this region of Galatia, and they say, we got a letter from the Apostle Paul. And they read it, right? They, they read it. And, and, you know, and Paul says some hard things in the letter, right? If you're going through Galatians, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Paul says, I'm astonished. I'm perplexed. I'm afraid of you. Why? Why was Paul so brutally honest with these people? You know why? Because he loved them. He loved them. You know, I loved how Mike Cole read the script. You know, he gets up to read the scripture earlier in the service, and you go, whoa, Mike's a little cranked up, right? So was the apostle Paul. I think, that's, I think if Paul got up to read his own letter, it'd sound a heck of a lot like Mike Cole, right? Because why? Because Paul cared. Here's the deal. He cared too much to coddle these people. He cared too much to coddle them. Paul cared too much to see them enslaved with satanic lies. And so Paul's jumping in there, man. I'm going to cut to it. I'm going to say, I can't believe you guys. How can you desert it? Who cut in on you? All these things are going to come out in Galatians. And you go, wow, Paul's speaking the truth because he loved them. He spoke the truth in love and because he loved them. 
There's too much at stake. Now listen, disciple-making cultures, a healthy disciple-making culture in a church is going to be radically counterculture to the world in which we live in. This is important. Because the world in which we live in, when you speak the truth out of love and in love, it is often labeled hate speech. Just understand it's where we're living. It's the world in which we live in. So don't be intimidated by the world's culture because what we're doing is too important. And if you really love people, you're not going to coddle them. If you really love people, you're not going to let them live enslaved in satanic lies. And that goes to people who are believers in the church. Galatians, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes to that church in Ephesians, and listen to what he says. He says, God has given to the church gifted people, teachers, whatever, and he lists them, apostles, teachers, these things. What are they there for? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. We got to know God. People need to know God the one true living God. And then to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and growing in a relationship with Christ, right? So that we are no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. What does that look like? Just follow social media. Just follow social media, and you will see what it looks like to be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And, 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 and Paul says, listen, man, when we get together as a church, rather, we have to speak the truth in love, he says in Ephesians. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into, into Christ. See, healthy disciple-making cultures. It includes his churches. It includes your family. You love people where they are. You love people where they are and no matter what they do, but you love them too much to leave them in their sin and immaturity. You understand that? You love people where they are and no matter how far they wander, you love them but you love them too much to leave them in their sin or their immaturity. See, love does not flatter people. Love does not give false assurances. Oh, this is not a big deal. Yeah, whatever makes you happy, I think that's the way you ought to go. That's not love. Love does not flatter people. It doesn't give false assurances. Love does not lie. Why? Because the issues are too important. Life and death is at stake. And so... You speak the truth. And so Paul says to the Galatians, am I now your enemy because I told you something you didn't want to hear? Am I your enemy now because I told you some hard things that you didn't want to hear? See, a healthy culture speaks the truth out of love and with love. Fourth, Fourth thing, sign of a healthy culture in a, in, a, in a church amongst people is you celebrate people. You celebrate others for their good. 
It's important. Interesting words here. Paul says in Galatians, start verse 17, chapter 4. Paul's going to address some people that had come into town and come into these churches and try to try to talk smooth talk and uh, tell them they're wonderful and and they're false teachers. They were false teachers and they were guys coming into town. They were just trying to, you know, plant their own church. And do their own thing and take them away from the Apostle Paul. That, that's it's the reality of what happened. This happened everywhere Paul went. Paul would go plant a church and people come along behind it, Judaizers and saying all kinds of stuff and pull them away and whatever. And Paul was always running into this. So he starts to talk about some of these uh, other leaders. He says in verse 17, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out. In other words, they're coming in to, to, to pull them away from, from the church there and Paul's teaching. They want to shut you out that you may, that, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I'm present, but with you. Okay, what's Paul getting at here? What, it can be a little confusing or a little vague. Here's what Paul's doing. He's warning them about the reality of abusive pastors. He's warning them about shepherds that just use the flock. He's telling them that there are self-serving leaders out there who can act like they care about you. They make much of you. But it's all to win your favor to grow their group. That's all it is. Someone says they court you so they can count you. Say, oh, pastors don't do that. <laughs> you haven't been around much, right? And Paul's calling that out. Uh, Matthew, Jesus calls it out in a pretty radical way in Matthew chapter 23. Listen to this. Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. This is Jesus talking to some religious leaders, priests, these people who led. He says, Man, you're going over there winning all these people to follow you, and you're all going to hell. That's Jesus. Cutting through. And, and, and Paul's coming to the Galatians, and the Galatians, these churches in Galatia were seeing these guys come into their churches. And Paul's saying, look, there are pastors, there are priests, there are spiritual guides who have no understanding of ministerial ethics. And they simply want to build their fan base and keep the money coming. Paul's saying that back then. It still goes on today, right? You can find these guys and these ladies on TV, Twitter. They're in large cities and they're in small towns. These personality-led organizations, personality cult type of places, cultures. Hey, the main man, and, and it's their church, and the church is always associated with the person. This person's church, and, and they talk about their church, and my flock, and my church, and, and they're the lead dogs, and it's their vision, and you follow their vision, and their teaching, and their teaching's the only one that anybody should listen to, and, and they're building their kingdom, and everybody drinks the Kool-Aid. And Paul says, listen, it's good to celebrate others, but for their 
good and their purposes. You don't just celebrate other people to get them to follow you and make it all about you. So I went in to buy a pair of shoes at this outlet store, and, um, and uh, I, you know, the lady was there. She was so helpful. I think she thought I was cute, you know? I mean, she said, oh, how are you doing? You know, I go, oh, thank you. I'm here to buy a pair of shoes. She was so nice, man. And she's helping me. And I said, wow, these are pretty good. You got some. And I said, you know, I, I don't know whether to buy this pair or this pair. And it's like, well, maybe I'll just buy both of them. She's like, oh, you know, we're like long lost friends. And I'm, I'm just chatting with her and, you know, I'm trying to be nice and uh, not flirtatious. Don't give me, you know, don't understand. I'm not out there flirting with the shoe lady, all right? But I'm just being nice, all right? So whatever. So then I thought, well, this is, a, this is a wonderful experience I'm having. I get up to the counter to buy two pair of shoes, right? And she says, well, how'd you like some uh, shoe polish or some things to treat these wonderful shoes of yours that I think you're going to look great in? Um, I, what, can, can you buy? I said, nah, I don't need any of that stuff. How about this? Nah, I don't need any of that, that stuff. I don't need any of that. No, no, that's all right. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. I started going and she says, well, can I get your email address? And I said, mm, I, I get enough emails. I said, right, I get it. And all of a sudden she says, hey, how do you expect me to make any money? She says, I, 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 I got to get, and she starts going in this thing. And all of a sudden I thought, whoa, the relationship sure turned, right? Because I wasn't going to buy all this other stuff, okay? Paul said, Pastors can do the same thing. They make much of you to win you to follow them, so you follow them. See, Paul asked the leaders of any church. Uh, it can happen not just with the pastors, but in the church. You go, wow, this person is my friend in church, and, and they're wanting me to come work and serve in their areas of ministry. And all of a sudden, you say, nah, I don't want to do that. And then they're, they're no longer your friend anymore. You go, what's up with that? Right? Instead of, wait a second, it's important you're serving, and if it's not in this area, let's find an area we can serve it. You, you see what I mean? Healthy, healthy disciple-making environments, they, they celebrate others, but it's always for their good. This is, this is important. Paul asks leaders questions and, and tests any church culture with this question. Listen carefully. Do you want more disciples? Yeah. Or do you want more disciples of Christ? <laughs> do you want more disciples? Yes. Or disciples of Christ? Oh. Philippians 2 really gets down to it. I love this passage when Paul writes, uh, let each of you look not at your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind, mindset amongst yourself, which is also in Christ Jesus. Don't do anything of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And Paul says, you know, it's good to be made much of. In other words, it's a healthy environment when people say, hey, I'm interested in you. I, I'm concerned about you. I want to do all I can for you, but for their good and not just to win them over to your cause. Five. Uh, number five. The five healthy signs. You sincerely seek to be Christ-like. Verse 19. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, 
What's so Paul so worked up about until Christ is formed in you? So this is, this is a healthy environment, a healthy culture in a disciple-making culture, whether it's a family, a family unit culture, or it's a church culture, a healthy culture is there is this deep burning desire amongst all the people in this culture. In fact, it's like the anguish of childbirth. They just want people to get Jesus. They want them to get Jesus. They want to come into a relationship with Jesus. You gotta get Jesus. And until you get Jesus and then see Christ shaping your life and, and, and making a difference in how you think and how you live and how you love and, and what you enjoy and, and the whole thing, until that happens, they're just going to be what they're about. Man, have you got Jesus? Is he shaping you? Is he forming you? Are you knowing this life? That is what the focus is. Listen carefully. The, the culture of a healthy disciple-making church is not as much, listen very carefully, it's not as much how do we get more people in our church, but it's how do we get more people following Christ. See, a healthy, healthy disciple-making culture is not so much, listen, not so much, how do we get more people excited about our church? We're excited about grace. Hey, we're, we're grace. Where do you go? I go to grace. How do we get people more excited, not, not more excited about our church, but more excited about Jesus and loving him? I, I can't believe what Jesus has done in my life. I can't believe his mercies are new to me. Every morning we sang about, can you believe it? I can't believe he can use somebody like me as much as a failure and my weakness and everything. And look at this. And, and look at what Jesus is doing. Look what Jesus is doing in my life. Look what Jesus is doing in this life, in this life, in this life, in this life. And I get excited about anybody else that's excited about Jesus. Right? See, the focus of a disciple-making church culture that's healthy, it's all about spiritual birth and spiritual formation and the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Galatians is going to talk about that versus the, the, the fruit of the flesh, the works of the flesh, you know, sexual morality and, and idolatry and enmity and strife and jealousy and fits of rage and drunkenness and whatever. So, so what are you really passionate to get excited about? Well, is it just adding a bunch of people to the church and having a good positive party atmosphere? Or is it our people really coming to Christ and becoming more like Christ? That's the deal. And see, this, this glorifies God, and this is the focus and the passion. Um, how do you want people in the community to view this church here at Grace when we do our four Ashland? We talk about four Ashland, get out in the community, and a lot of things that we do in the community. How do you want people to see that? You want people to go, wow, Grace Church is doing all these wonderful things in the community. Or, I, I kind of like this in Matthew chapter 5, um, Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See, it's a, it's a, it's a little it's a slight difference in it. Wow, that's really cool. Those people really involved the community, whatever. Well, that's fine, but you know what I really want them to see? Listen, we're, we, we'd love you to see Jesus. 
We, we want you to get Jesus. Your life will never be the same. I, I'm glad this is helping. We want this to help. We're, we're really thankful. This is making your life more comfortable, and it's important, but we really want you to get Jesus. See, the reality, a reality that is held very, very dear at the core and the heart and soul of a disciple-making culture in a church, the value that's held dear is this. It's Galatians 2.20. I have been, right, cultures created by individuals coming together, forming relationships in community. So with every individual coming together, forming a relationship in a community, does this. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How about you? Is that what you're about? Is that what you're about? That's what I'm about. That's what I'm about. Okay? And this is, and we're, we're in anguish like a, a mother in childbirth until we see this happen. There you go. Uh, that's five. I got one last one. I'm rounding third and headed quickly for home. The last one is this. A sign of a healthy culture is you, you realize that you disciple best in person. Uh, Galatians 4, the last verse. Paul says, man, I wish I could be present with you now. And change my tone. You know, you, you send a letter and people read a letter, the tone of the letter depends on the person reading it, right? When Mike Cole read this passage of scripture, this letter from Paul, with the tone that he had, it, 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 it helped shape the, the meaning of this, right? And so Paul understands, look, th these letters are really, really important. I mean, these letters are treasures. These letters are in the Bible. They're the word of God, for heaven's sakes, right? But Paul said, you know, I wish I could be there in present with you now and change my tone. People can misread tones a lot of things, but, but he, he wanted to be there with them. Here's the point. All the way through Paul's epistles, this comes out. Paul's saying these off comments. Man, I long to see you face to face, you say. And the reason is the Great Commission happens one person at a time, one life on life, person to person, one person at a time. The Great Commission isn't, let's run big programs and herd all kinds of people through and voila, out the other end comes all these new disciples and whatever. No, no, no. You know, if some kids come to Christ at vacation Bible school, it's because some person said, hi, what's your name? Well, here's what it is. I want to talk to you about Jesus. <laughs> right? Right? So here's the question as we, as we close. The question for us then is, you know, if each individual comes together and makes the environment here, um, who are you in a disciple-making relationship with? Who knows you? You know them and they know you. Uh, do you have friendships with other Christians where uh, a whole big part of this whole relationship is, man, we love each other, we have fun together, we pray for each other, we, we talk about what God's teaching us in our lives together, and, and you got permission to speak into my life, and I got permission to speak into your life, and this is dynamic thing happens. And listen, I'll, 
that won't happen online. I, I know there's a group watching online, and, and you guys have written to us and wrote to us, and, and some of you don't even live in Ashland. You live in other states, and you've been sick, and some of you are on vacation. Josh, you might be watching right now. I don't know, or maybe you're at the beach. I don't know, and I'm not going to ask you or hold you accountable. But, um, but here's the deal. Here, here's the thing I understand. Online church has been very, very helpful to people. Um, I, I got a friend that travels around the world all the time. I says, man, what do you do about church? And he says, well, I listen to you guys every week. Okay, that's helpful to him. It's life-giving to him. Um, but if your only church is an online church, if your only community is a Facebook group, you are not in a healthy disciple-making culture. It's impossible. Uh, J.T. English wrote a book called Deep Discipleship recently, and um, Josh Wilson got all our elders and staff to read it. Here's what it says. It says, virtual discipleship cannot create deep disciples. Deep discipleship is intensely local. Formation, you know, Paul's anguish is that Christ is formed in you. Formation is meant to be personal, embodied, and incarnational. A blog, an online professor, or a video stream sermon may be able to aid discipleship, but they cannot form disciples the way the local church can. When Jesus chose his 12 disciples, you can read about it in the Gospels. In the Gospel of Mark, it says something very interesting. Jesus said he appointed his 12 disciples. He appointed 12 whom he also named apostles. And what did he do? And it says this, so that they might be with him. So Jesus is going to make disciples, right? That's what he's about, right? He chooses 12. Okay, what are you doing? You're going to be with me. See, it's in person. And then he sends them out to preach and to teach. All right, so we wrap it up this way. Uh, a culture, you know, the culture that we live in outside of the church is one culture. And the culture that we hope and pray is established within the community here is a different culture. Um, T.S. Eliot has made a, a comment about the culture that we all live in outside our church culture. And, and I've never forgotten this. T.S. Eliot said a, a while ago, he says, and the wind shall say, here were decent, godless people. Their only monument, the asphalt road and a thousand lost golf balls. So what's the culture out there all passionate and worked up about. And how different is it than what a healthy disciple-making culture is worked up about? Individual people coming in, and you see that God uses weaknesses, upside-down turns, detours in our lives. You, you sacrificially serve with joy. You speak the truth because you love, and it's out of love, and you speak it in love because you care too much. You celebrate others, and if they go on to some other place or some other winter, you keep applauding them because it's for their good and God's glory. And you sincerely seek 
Christ's likeness. You want to see more than anything else Christ formed in people's lives. And you understand that you've got to be in relationships with other people for that to happen. Culture is created by individuals who are connected in community. And when the church culture is conducive to disciple-making and is on mission, it brings hope to our lives and the world. Let's pray. Wow, Lord, we came in this morning and maybe we were hoping to sing a song we kind of liked and and get a little information, and all of a sudden, you know, you do this all the time, Lord. You pull us in and go, wait a minute, we're worshiping the God of the universe, the Almighty. Um, worthy is the Lamb who was slain, who, who was and is and is to come. And we go, whoa, what, what, what are we, who have we encountered here? And then, then we read about people that you save and you choose and, and were yours and then you go, now I've got, I've got something for you to do. We're going to put you on mission and, and this supernatural community called the church and, and this is how we this is how we act in the household of God, the church of the living God. And we were kind of stunned by all this, Lord. We're trying to process it all and I pray that you would uh, powerfully speak to each individual here. Maybe for somebody, it's, it's today's their first day to kind of go, all right, I want in on this. I want to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And uh, Lord, maybe for somebody, it's like, I've got to get some relationships. I've got to form. I've got to get more intimately involved in a community. Um, whatever it is, or or maybe someone's here this morning, Lord, that knows what you're trying to do in their lives, what the next step is. You want to be formed in them. They've been fighting you, and then they say, all right, I've heard the truth in love, and I need to. So, Lord, uh, uh, do your work in our heart and lives. We look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Great to have you here this morning, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. God bless.